Thanks for coming back this evening. We are uh, pleased to have Chad uh, Strasberg with us tonight. Chad is the uh, director of Pinebrook, and he was here speaking to our youth fellowship, uh, recruiting individuals to uh, work at Pinebrook this summer. Uh, Chad, if you would stand up so everybody knows who you are. It's over there to my right. And uh, he's going to hang around after the service. Uh, if you would be uh, interested in talking to him about uh, your teen working at uh, Pinebrook this summer, he'd love to answer your questions and uh, tell you all that you need to know about the opportunities at uh, Pinebrook uh, to work for the summer. So, Chad, thank you for being here tonight and glad that you are worshiping with us. All right, tonight we are going to be focusing on the seven trumpet judgments that occur through uh, chapters 8 to 11 in the book of Revelation. Uh, the focus this evening is on that which is extremely obvious, though not always observed. We will focus on the plagues in Egypt as an extremely important informing theology for understanding the trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation. Informing theology builds upon previous references to historical events and circumstances. So obviously it begins in the Old Testament and makes its way through the New Testament. Looking at the first reference to the last reference to these historical events. That's one of the reasons why I encourage you to read the Bible through every year so that you know the uh, Old Testament well, for it is truly foundational to the understanding of the New Testament. Informing theology assumes that the reader knows and understands the previous references to Old Testament events to provide background information for subsequent events. So informing theology can be likened to an inside story or joke. The informed listener only has to hear a certain word or punchline to understand all that the speaker intends. So you can have just an allusion to an Old Testament reference or event, and it should bring to mind a whole host of information based on that allusion. Uh, without having previously heard the story or joke, the other listeners are in the dark. One is in the dark in understanding many allusions and other formulations in Scripture without understanding the informing theology. I believe that the understanding of informing theology is essential to a good understanding of the Bible. So tonight, with that in mind, we're going to look at an overview of the trumpet judgments. And A, the plagues in Egypt provide a very helpful informing theology for understanding the judgments in the book of Revelation. Uh, my goal in studying the book of Revelation is to try to make Revelation much more accessible. Uh, that uh, you're, as we read through the Bible in a year, as you habitually read the book of Revelation, my desire is that you know it uh, better, more fully, uh, can apply it uh, more uh, appropriately to your life. So my goal is, as I say, to make uh, the book of Revelation more accessible so as you read it and study it on your own, uh, you can develop a much better understanding of the, uh, the book. There are certain rules or uh, principles that are set down for hermeneutics, which is simply 
uh, the way in which we study the Bible. And there are a lot of people that would teach that prophetic or also known as apocalyptic literature is very different from every other genre in the scriptures. Uh, and so uh, there's a whole different set of rules that need to be applied in understanding prophetic portions of scripture as opposed to say historic portions of scripture. While there may be a measure of truth to that, I would say it's a very small measure of truth and it has a tendency then to separate or divide prophetic scriptures from the rest of the, of the Bible. That uh, when you're studying the prophecies of, of the scripture, uh, you're just studying prophetic books and you're not looking at historical narratives. As tonight I hope will demonstrate, uh, that creates a lot of misunderstanding uh, of prophetic literature. So B, there is a striking similarity in the, judgment, judge, the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus. Number one, they are similar in form. Two, they are similar in purpose. And three, they are similar in result. And so tonight we're going to look at those similarities. So number two. There's a striking similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus in respect to form, or you might say in content. So now what I'm just going to do is go through each of the seven trumpet judgments and compare them to the plagues that came upon the land of Egypt and show you, without a shadow of a doubt, there is a direct correlation, all right? So beginning with the first trumpet, which is the hail trumpet. Revelation 8, verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown into the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The corresponding plague upon Egypt. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the garden uh, of the field, only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. 
I'll make some observations at the end. B, the second trumpet, the judgment of the sea turning into blood. Revelation 8, verse 8. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures on the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed, down to the corresponding plague upon Egypt. Exodus 7.20, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh. In the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. Third trumpet judgment, the contamination of water. Revelation 8, 10 and 11, the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers, and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The corresponding plague upon Egypt. Exodus 7.21 And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that Egypt could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. The fourth trumpet the trumpet of darkness, Revelation 8, verse 12. The fourth blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of the light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. The fourth plague falls upon the moon and stars in Egypt, Exodus 10, 21. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that could be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Did not see one another, nor did anyone arise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. The fifth trumpet, the locust trumpet, Revelation 9, 1, 2, and 3. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft to the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth the corresponding plague in Egypt, Exodus 10, 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among you, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, go behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country. And they shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail. And they shall eat every tree of yours. And that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and all the Egyptians, as neither 
your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned out and went from Pharaoh. The sixth trumpet, the trumpet of death, Revelation 9, 13 and following. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, because the release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day of the month and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. Corresponding plague in Egypt. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl, who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me. Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. The seventh trumpet, God delivers his people. Revelation eleven fifteen through 18. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations reigned, but your wrath came in the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. The Exodus event and the inhabitation of the promised land. Exodus 15, 17 through 19. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, where your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh uh, with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. So judgment came upon the Israelites and the uh, excuse me, judgment came upon the Egyptians and the Israelites were preserved. <clears throat> Three, there is a striking similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus in respect to purpose. The purpose is to show that God has made a difference or a distinction between those who belong to him and those who do not. Revelation 9, verse 4. They were told not to harm the grass 
uh, of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. We looked last week at the sealing of the 144,000. And we mentioned that God has promised that wrath will not come upon his people and every one of us have been sealed until the day of redemption. God said, I want to demonstrate a distinction between my people and those who don't belong to me. Exodus 11, verse 7. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. You see, the purpose is identical. That God would demonstrate in a very uh, apparent way so that it's virtually uh, unmistakable that God makes a difference between those who belong to him and those who do not belong to him. And the distinction is the way in which he spares his people from judgment. So that there was darkness over the land of Egypt, but there was light in the houses of the children of Israel. That when the plagues came, the children of Israel were spared. To me, this is a key element in understanding the book of Revelation, and especially when we talk about the rapture and the tribulation period. For as you know, it's my belief that, that uh, we go through the tribulation period. And people would ask, why? Why would God have his people go through the tribulation period? Answer, the same reason <laughs> that he would have his people in the land of Egypt, and that is to show a distinction, to show that there's a difference. And there are a lot of Bible commentators that ask the question, how could it be possible to go through the tribulation with all of the plagues that come upon the, uh, the earth and them not coming upon the Christians. How could that be? Answer, the same way it was in the land of Egypt. You read about how it filled all the houses. Well, how could it be that it would fill the houses of the children of, of uh, excuse me, the Egyptians, but the locusts would not fill the houses of the Israelites? Answer, God made a distinction. God made a distinction. So how is it that we are able to go through the tribulation and there is a sparing? Answer, God is able to make a distinction. Which gives us insight into why there is continually a third of the people and the earth that's spared. As you draw a comparison between the uh, plagues that come on Egypt and the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation, the seven trumpets are much more severe than what the plagues were. The plagues were regional. They came upon the land of Egypt, but they didn't come upon the entire face of the earth, whereas the plagues that come uh, in the book of Revelation are much more intense. Uh, these are final judgments. Those were preliminary judgments. But they were preliminary judgments to show us this important aspect of all judgments. 
And that is God makes a distinction between those that belong to him and those that do not. And that is a common theme through all the judgments. Whether you think of the judgments upon Egypt, whether you think of the judgment that comes in the time of Noah, and how God spares Noah and his family, and all of the unregenerate are going to experience judgment. You think of Sodom and Gomorrah, how God spares Sodom, uh, excuse me, bears Lot and spares Lot and his family, but the judgment comes upon all the this, this rest of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. God makes a distinction. God makes a distinction. And the normative way is to preserve his people through that judgment. That becomes an informing theology for us. So as you, you want to look at deliverance, you not only want to look at the book of Revelation, but you want to start, study each of the judgments of God and what God is doing. For they are informing us of this ultimate and final judgment of God. They are all preliminary. That's why we spend the time studying all of these previous judgments, for they will inform or teach us tremendously important details about these final judgments. You with me? And I'm not going to take the time, because we'd be here for weeks, going through all the judgments and drawing out the parallels that exist in those judgments with the judgments in the book of Revelation. Because my purpose is not to look at every minutia in the book of Revelation, but to get the big picture, to get the big insight. And to me, this is one of them. So as you read your Bible, and as, as you read the book of Revelation, keep in mind previous judgments and what you can learn from those previous judgments in interpreting then the material that's found in the book of Revelation. B, the purpose is for God to deliver his people from the suffering they were experiencing at the hands of the ungodly. And uh, I might add to that, uh, and to bring judgment on the ungodly for the way in which they caused his people to suffer. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, it says, They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. That was the, uh, uh, the uh, saints under the altar uh, that we looked at in some detail in Revelation chapter 6. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. In the book of, of uh, Exodus, God is also bringing judgment upon uh, Pharaoh for the way in which he is uh, mistreating the children of Israel 
in how he has made them slaves and how he's beating them and, and whipping them. So the book of Revelation is about God's payback, if you will, or payment to all of the persecution and suffering that has come upon his people as a result of their witness for him and for their hatred for the things of God. So this is God's judgment upon the world for their persecution of the church. And if you remember, in the land of Egypt, when that judgment begins, what happens to the Israelites? In the beginning, is it easier for them or harder for them? Harder, remember? The straw is taken away from them. They're beaten. And they say, oh, you know, well, before Moses came, we had it better than this. Well, in the tribulation period, the persecution gets worse before it's totally done away with. Just as it did in the land of Egypt. But just as there's hope and expectation in the land of Egypt, there's hope and expectation for us in this wonderful provision of God as he brings judgment upon the face of this earth. Next, there is striking similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus in respect to effect. Neither the trumpet judgments nor the plagues in Egypt lead the enemies of God to repentance. Revelation 9, 20 to 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So even though God brings these judgments in the time of the great tribulation and there even though there's a distinction that is manifested between God's people and those who don't belong to him nevertheless the people don't repent and you say well how in the world could that happen why wouldn't the people repent if God shows that there is a marked distinction between those who belong to him and those who don't fast not forward, backwards to the land of Egypt and how Pharaoh continually hardens his heart even though these plagues have come upon the land of Egypt. He knows they're coming by the hand of God. Even though he repents for a brief period of time and Moses takes away the judgment and then the next judgment comes and he hardens his heart again. And you kind of scratch your head. And you say, well, why wouldn't the Egyptians understand? Why wouldn't they appropriate that? That becomes an important informing theology for the book of Revelation. And you see how the people don't repent just like they didn't repent in the uh, land of Egypt, just like they didn't repent when the flood was coming, just like they didn't repent when it was announced that Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed. You see, there are these similarities that are to come shining and powerfully through so that we might understand 
what is taking place in these final days. So lessons. A. Lessons from the similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus in respect to form. Number one. There is just cause to see the trumpets as, literally, as literal directed judgments coming from God and not merely the working out of human events. So, in my opinion, it is totally unwarranted to make the Locust fighter aircraft, for example. Uh, it's, to me, mind-boggling what people do with the book of Revelation. And especially the movies. You know, the Left Behind series and all that kind of stuff. I just sit and sometimes I feel like crying when I watch that stuff. Because they so centralize, you know, and, and they read these passages and then all of a sudden there's aircraft and these are the locusts and there are bombers and all this stuff. The locusts in Exodus were locusts. There is absolutely no reason to think that the locusts in the book of Revelation aren't locusts. These aren't just mere coincidences. These are intentional identifying markers to help us understand what is taking place in these judgments. All right? If we believe that Exodus is literal, then we ought to believe that the book of Revelation is literal. And hence, so much more understandable. You don't have to sit and make up a whole bunch of fanciful stuff to explain it. All you have to do is look back and see what God has done in the past and say, wow, that's what he's going to do again. That same power is going to be displayed except now in a far greater magnitude and way. Number two, there is just cause for the child of God to be comforted as to God's willingness and ability to spare him or her during these trumpet judgments just as God was willing and able to spare the children of Israel during the plagues. All right? Uh, so we don't have to come to this conclusion that the only way that God can spare us is by taking us off the face of the earth. God was able to spare the children of Israel right through all the judgments that were had in the land of Egypt, and God is able to see us through these as well. And it keeps talking about, and you know that there are believers there because they're sealed and they are protected. B, lessons from the similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus respect to purpose. I've already alluded to this. Number one, God is able to make a distinction and judgment between those who belong to him and those who do not belong to him. 2 Peter 2, 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. That is a major theme in the book of 2 Peter. How 
God is able at one and the same time to preserve his own and to bring judgment upon this world. Number two, there is a wonderful deliverance and celebration that is had in view for God's people when the judgments are ended. So, uh, after the children of Israel leave the land of Egypt, there is the Song of Moses. Look for the Song of Moses in the book of Revelation. It's there. And you ought to put the two together. All right? There's the Song of Moses that's going to be sung in the book of Revelation. And they sing the Song of Moses when the chariots are drowned in the sea. C. Lessons from the similarity in the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation and the plagues that come upon the land of Egypt uh, in respect to effect. The lack of repentance on the part of the persecutors is not a testimony to God's weakness, but rather to his greatness. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Let's look at Exodus 15, 6. Well, I'll read Revelation 11, 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead, that they shall be judged. And thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Exodus 15, 6 and 7. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as a stubble. So here is a precursor. Here is a demonstration of God's bringing judgment upon uh, those that do not belong to him. This final judgment is going to be so much more severe, uh, so much more total, as it's going to affect all of those that are unregenerate. These are precursors to what is finally going to take place. And number six, and I don't do this in any detail, We'll do some of it when we get to these passages, but I want you to get the big picture. Concluding thoughts, we should continuously look to informing theology to interpret and understand the book of Revelation. The tree of life in the paradise of God should be informed by the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Paradise is the garden of God. Then Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So you have this tree of life that appears in Revelation chapter 2 and says that those that uh, conquer will have the privilege of eating of the tree of life. And you have the tree of life show up in Revelation chapter 22. 
as the book is coming to a close, Genesis 3.24. After mankind fell, after Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So God in his mercy, in the book of Genesis, guarded the tree of life so that no one would eat from it, so that they would be eternally living in a state of condemnation. He protected them by not allowing them to eat from that tree. But there's going to be a time when we are delivered, when our sins are forgiven, and we are in a right relationship with God, and now we are invited to eat of this tree of life. So as, as you think of the garden, as you think of the paradise in Revelation chapter 22, your mind should immediately go to the Garden of Eden and the fellowship that was enjoyed uh, with uh, Adam and Eve before they fell, how they walked in the cool of the day, how they were able to fellowship and walk and talk with God. Fast forward Revelation chapter two, uh, 22 and this relationship we have to him. B, the millennial kingdom is informed by the children of Israel's occupation of the promised land. There is so much there. <laughs> the kingship of David in the promised land. And we're looking forward to that reign of Christ who is referred to as the son of David. There, <clears throat> as I say, I keep saying there's so much more. There, there just is. As you pull back... And you look at all of these, and the purpose of the book of, 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 in the Revelation of the millennium, that thousand-year period, is a period in which Christ is going to reign on earth with a rod of iron. There are going to be people that are going to be rebelling against them inwardly, but they can't rebel against him outwardly. And then at the end of the, of the thousand years, then there's this uprising, and Christ puts it down, and that's the, the final destruction and then there's the new heaven and the new earth that whole thousand year period is informed by the children of Israel and what their purpose was in the land of Canaan and the kind of king David and others were to be in meeting out justice on this earth and ruling over a rebellious people all of that fulfilled in Revelation chapter 20 in the millennial kingdom. So my appeal to you tonight is as we read the book of Revelation, be aware of all the informing theology and take it to heart. And as you do, it will open up the book of Revelation to you in a way that most people don't see it because they're not looking for that. They, they see it as being just totally separate, totally different from many of the historical books of the Bible, and they're not looking for these very important connections. And they anchor you, all right, and keep you from many of these fanciful interpretations because they don't square with everything that went before. Always use scripture to interpret scripture. The Bible is progressive in nature. It reveals more and more and more and more. 
But to understand when you get out here, you've got to understand all this back here because it doesn't draw all the dots, it just alludes to it, such as the tree of life. That's all it says. You've got to know about the tree of life. You have to know about the Garden of Eden. You have to know about the judgments in the land of Egypt. You have to understand how these things are precursors to the rest of the book of Revelation. So I'm going to be continuing on looking at the big, big picture to guide us through these, uh, what can be, some very difficult portions of Scripture, and at the same time, be very simple portions of Scripture in terms of what they intend to convey to us, and that is God makes a distinction between those who belong to him and those who don't. Those who belong to him have a happy ending. Those that don't belong to him have a miserable ending, and God's hand of protection is upon us as his people. And he will bring judgment upon those that persecute us and abuse us and dishonor the name of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, help us as we work our way through the book of Revelation. And Lord, help us to understand it to the degree that we, our hearts are warmed, encouraged, comforted, and moved to worship. I pray that, Lord, we would be able to say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and praise. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. Oh Lord, help us to understand that more and more even today. Help us to understand that we were created to bring you pleasure. And for thy pleasure we were created. Help us to understand that in doing the work for which you have created us, that we find the greatest joy, the greatest delight, the greatest fulfillment, and the praise that we can bring to your name. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.